0: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule.
0: It's surprisingly affordable, too, everybody, welcome to a brand new What's Going Down here on Patreon, ad-free or wherever you get your podcasts. Otherwise, my name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin Finn on my Apple Watch right now. It's telling me it's 29 degrees in Glasgow, which in Glasgow weather is about 70 degrees because we're not used to this. um, (laughs) But it's very warm weather. Indeed. Kenny, if you can't stand the heat, get off the podcast. That's what I say. There you go. I'm, I'm, I've, got, I've got several chilled drinks next to me. I've been, uh, you know, I bought, I'm telling you off here. I bought an air fan, and the, the fuse blew as soon as we tried to turn it on. So, you know, we're not we're not fully prepared here, but we're we're doing our best.
1: Listen, we can cope with this. I remember last year we did a podcast on the hottest day of 2022, and I remember that clearly. And it was so hot, and we got through it. I, mean, I don't know whether it was one of our better ones. But we got through it. <laughs> I mean, have we ever done a good podcast? Maybe we have.
0: <laughs> We're working towards it. Um, no, we, you know, we, yeah, we, we have, we have. Um, but yeah, well, listen, it's very, very warm. We hope you're enjoying the weather wherever you are in the UK. Um, and if you're not, hopefully it's nice weather where you are. Finn, lots to talk about today in terms of what's been going on in wrestling. Now, obviously, last Thursday... I'd sort of spoken a wee bit about the the Adam Cole and MGF promo, and it's got quite a lot of play online um, about you know whether Adam Cole won the promo battle or whether he was able to hang with MGF. Have you had a chance to see that yet? And did you have any thoughts about how it was in execution rather than just kind of hearing my probably crap version of events. events?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, MGF came out. Um... He mentioned that there was no competition for him in AEW anymore, which I thought made the people that he beat at Double or Nothing look like losers. I think that was particularly helpful. Adam Cole then joined him. MGF brought up Ring of Honor and people booed. I thought that was a bit odd since (laughs) AEW owns Ring of Honor and they booed the mere mention of Ring of Honor quite loudly. Um, MGF then mentioned that he'd been a Ring of Honor, you know, watch Ring of Honor when he was a fan You know, he thought that it sucked until Adam Cole walked onto the screen. Um, He said that, you know, before we saw Adam Cole in Ring of Honor, he just thought it was full of indie jabronis. Uh, But Adam Cole just changed his opinion of the promotion. He said that Cole was this, you know, amazing talent. He looked like a million bucks. He had these piercing blue eyes, carried himself like a star. You know, he was the man who was blown away by him really complimented um, Cole's uh, performances, you know, level of success in Ring of Honor and CZW. And then in Florida, where he said that um, Cole became Shawn Michaels' his number one guy. MGF said, mark for Adam Cole. Um, MGF said that he decided to follow in Cole's footsteps, you know, and get involved in pro wrestling and knew that one day they would both be together in AEW. And when they were two generational talents, Cole and MJF would have the rivalry of a lifetime. But then, said MJF, this guy showed up, pointing to Adam Cole. What happened to your man, MJF said to Cole. MJF called Cole a video game geek, uh, a virgin golem. Um, MJF used the balls in a purse line. We never tire of hearing that one, do we, Kenny?
0: All the big stars are accused of their wives or girlfriends having their balls in a purse.
1: That's it. His balls are in Britt Baker's purse. He said that Cole used to have the body of a world champion, but now Cole was so frail. He made crackhaws jealous. So I mean, this was pretty tough stuff. And Cole so, he no sold nearly all of it. Um, you know. MGF said that he'd beaten everyone. Oh, MGF said that Cole, you know, jumped to AEW because Vince McMahon didn't see top guy potential in him. And MGF said that, you know, maybe Vince was right. And then Cole finally responded. So he finally was allowed to say something, you know, to counter this dressing down, this burial. I mean, it was incendiary, it was brutal. So I'm gonna say I thought Cole did. Fire back, you know, the counter-attack was fairly strong. Um, you know, he said that um, MGF sounded like a toxic social media troll. Cole said that Baker could beat MGF. Um, Cole and the MGF's fiancé left him. Now, I've got to say MGF at least did sell the zingers that Cole fired in his direction. So let's give MGF cred- credit for that. Um Cole mentioned, you know, Cole brought that MGF had knocked his body, but then he said that MGF couldn't match his body at work and then challenged him to, I mean, this was a good one, he challenged him to do a drug test. Now, I mean, where did this come from, Kenny?
0: It might,
1: basically in... it
0: might be to do with, uh, with the, the recent trip to Holland and Barrett the MGF looks like he's been turned
1: and uh, you know, and then MGF like you know he, he he was reeling at the mere notion that they do a urine test. And uh, Cole said, "Oh, you don't, you don't want to do that, do you?" I thought so. Um, so that MGF really sold out well. Cole said that no one respected him because he did the bare minimum in AEW. I mean, that wasn't really consistent, you know, with the win over Brian Danielson in the Iron Man match at Revolution. He just retained the belt against the other three so called pillars. So, I mean, Cole wasn't giving MGF any respect for the wins that he'd scored earlier this year. So, I didn't really like that very much. Um, In the end, Cole, you know, said MGF was a coward and challenged him to a match. And MGF agreed. And Cole walked off and smiling. And MGF was furious. So, it was just like, you know, classic MGF AEW, wasn't it? Where, you know, to me, you're better off putting people over than running them down. It's just that simple, and it just felt like this burial of each other. But this is what MGF does. He did it with Ricky Starks. He does it with basically everyone. And I think you know, I I don't. I think it could be changed drastically, and it would be more productive. But the AEW fans seem to like it, Kenny O. Well, at least a lot of them do. I know some don't, I know some did object to the content of the back and forth battle between them, but I mean this is not a new phenomenon, what we saw last week on Dynamite from MGF. was it?
0: No, 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 we've we've seen this before. I think for me where it works and where it doesn't work is I think when he does it with someone, when MGF does these promos with someone like a CM Punk or a John Moxley or whatever who are massive stars, then it works really well. But when you've got Adam Cole who's you know, he's, he's just beaten Jericho twice. He's on the rise. I just don't know if I'm pointing out that he's got a body that a crack core would be jealous of. Because what can he do about it? Like, he's he's obviously been injured. He's he's lost a lot of weight. Um, You yeah. would just, you would, yeah, to me, it's like, because also it's like Cole's just beat Jericho twice. It should be, you know, that, that, that it should, should be...
1: All be all about the wins. It should be all about the performance and what he's done recently. And to me, it's a disservice to Jericho. I mean, I know Jericho's kind of a bit of a comedy character these days, but I mean, Cole had beaten him in two TV, one pay-per-view match, one TV match, the mix match. Mm-hmm. Ring that up. Mention that. You know, I'm on a roll right now. I've scored these big wins and now I'm coming for you and that didn't come at once.
0: No. And I mean, I, I, you, you are right though. Some, I think some portion of the crowd do enjoy it and that's that's fine. I think it's just, To me, I didn't watch this and think, you know, Adam like I, I I, before. I'm not saying they would have ever got it to a point where you would think that Adam Cole was going to beat MJF, but I mean, I've never been more sure that somebody's not taking the title from him. Whereas the job should be to convince me that maybe he will take it from him. So, I mean, you know, some people are saying maybe this this goes all the way to All In. I mean, I cannot imagine that this was the main event of All In. I mean. You know, they're giving the they're giving the match away t- tomorrow night. The yeah, the kind of non-title match. So I mean, to me, it's, this is a TV feud. Which for Cole, I think I think it'll be a struggle. I think uh, he did get some good lines in, like you said. I did think his kind of his take a urine testing was was a good zinger for him to come back with after all the stuff that he took from from MGF. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I just didn't it didn't hit for me as well. That it hit for everybody else. And I think it's more just because I'm a bit bored of the MGF act rather than yeah. Adam Cold at wrong.
1: I mean, MGF desperately needs to move this one along because this shtick is growing rather tired. I mean, I know some people still enjoy it. I mean, he's like a stand-up comedian who insults his audience. He's been doing this now for a long time. And I just think he needs to come up with a world champion shtick and he needs to work out that it's his job to try and elevate people, not bury them. That's what a champion does.
0: Yeah, I mean before when when he before he was champion he was with Wardlow, at least you kinda of had the the story of the the undercurrent of the Wardlow I mean, we'll turn on him one day type thing. But now it's just kinda of him on his own. He goes through these opponents, they come out of it kind of worse off than they were before going into it. Yeah. So and that's not really the way it should be. I mean, triple H, I'm very rarely will I compliment Triple H on this, but before he got his quad injury and just lost the ability to help anyone in the ring apart from his pals. Um in two thousand, you know, he would have matches with like Takumachinoku or the Brooklyn Brawler or whoever. And he would give a lot in the match, so that when he won, the person still it looked like they'd they'd kind of taken it out of him a wee bit and they and he yeah. he'd put them over a wee bit in, in in defeat. But um and I think MGF does do that in the match. But I just don't think he does it in the story. But then again, maybe, maybe it is to do with maybe the crowd You know, don't really. I mean, because you know, the the four pillars match is a good example. If that, because by all accounts, the pay per view number was pretty similar to Revolution. So, if people don't really care about the build up, and they just are going to pay for the match, then maybe, maybe that's that's enough. But I think, long term, especially if he does decide one day to move, I think he's going to struggle because he needs to expand the shtick.
1: This act is not going to play in WWE and um, I'm sure, you know, if he's as good as he thinks he is, he needs to turn it up and he needs to, you know, pivot and change direction and surprise us by doing different things because we've seen this many times before. And long term, it's just not helpful. And that's what a champion is supposed to do. He's supposed to be helpful to those around him. been champion now for seven months, Kenny. Seven months? It yeah, could be seven yeah. months was it? I think it could be almost seven, if not seven months today, around about seven months today anyway, mid-November, wasn't it, when he became champ? Yeah. So, um, you know, it still feels like he's just won the belt because he's had so few title defences. And, um, I mean, I hope Cole scores the pin um, tomorrow night on Dynamite and this leads to a title match at Forbidden Door, I would think, probably, Um and maybe, I mean, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, when I was watching this, I, I just found myself thinking about Hulk Hogan versus Andrea the Giant at WrestleMania 3. And I imagined what would have happened in the run-up to that match if Hulk Hogan had said to Andre, you're so broken down, you can hardly move. You're no mm-hmm. threat to me at all. And that would have been the Hogan and Andre equivalent of what. MDF did with Adam Cole. And of course, Hogan wasn't going to say that. And that ended up being the biggest match of all time. But I mean, just think about it. You know, just think about how much more he could do for his opponents if he was willing to um, state what a danger they posed to him. And, you know, just not, you know, accentuate what was Paul Heyman's philosophy in extreme championship wrestling? Accentuate the positives. Try- the negatives and MGF's approach is the reverse of that
0: Yeah. well we'll see what happens uh, on Dynamite tomorrow night, Uh, let's move on to Smackdown Raw, the latest news as we build towards Money in the Bank Um, it was the story of Jey Uso on Friday Finn, basically Roman Reigns uh, well it was a weird one because they said that Roman Reigns was going to Roman Reigns was going to make a decision about Jey And then Roman Reigns wasn't there. But Heyman basically said that, you know, Jay, you know, Jimmy's the one that's at fault, not you. Roman wants you to be the next Tribal Chief. Um, You know, wants him to come back into the family. Um, Roman's even got him a US title match with Austin Theory on the show. They want to groom him to be a world champion one day day be the Tribal Chief. And then Jay accepts the title match and Heyman's got a handshake there to you know, have the deal that he joins the bloodline again and sort of Turns his back on Jimmy, and Jay says he'll get back to him on that, and that kind of becomes the story of the show. Um, and in the end, he does not join the Bloodline, but it's not all simple because in the main event, uh, Jimmy comes out to make the save because pretty deadly rundown to attack Jay. Solo tries to attack Jimmy. Uh, Jay's stopping Solo from using the Samoan spike, and then Jimmy tries to super kick Solo, but he super kicks Jay instead. Jimmy and Solo then are fighting and is able to sneak in and get the win. So Jay's, you know, pretty angry. Jimmy's trying to apologise. And um, Jay walks by Solo and Heyman. Heyman says, I'm sorry it had to happen this way. Um, And Heyman is going to go and phone Roman Reigns. So it's another week of kind of giving us a little bit. Uh, What did you think of this uh, way to kind of give us a, a, a week before Roman comes back again?
1: Yeah, I thought it moved the story along nicely. I mean, Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa were in the ring. Um, at The beginning of the show, as you said, Jay, um, Jay walked out and joined them. Jay said that stabbing um, Jimmy in the back said Jay said to Solo that stabbing Jimmy in the back was something you don't do. Heyman blamed it all on Jimmy. He said all this chaos in fighting, all this friction, you know, all this you know bad blood was all down to Jimmy. You know, it wasn't Jay's fault, wasn't Solo's fault, wasn't Roman's fault, it was all Jimmy's fault, and Jimmy had been Jimmy had betrayed Jay. Um, Heyman said that um that, that Roman was grooming Jay to be the next tribal chief, so that when Roman steps off, Jay takes over. Jimmy's aware of this, Jimmy's resentful of Jay, you know, he knows that. You know, he's never going to be the main man in the bloodline, and that's why he's taking it out on Jay and the rest of the bloodline. So it was all about, you know, building Jay up. You know, Heyman was there just buttering him up and just saying, you know, you need to be with us. You need to turn your back on your twin brother. Stick with us. You know, bin your twin brother off. You know, one day the crown will be yours. So Jay, you know, was reluctant to really go along with a lot of that, but did like the idea of facing Austin Theory, the United States title in the main event of the program. Um, as you said, Heyman offered Jay um, a handshake, you know, agree to this and everything will be wonderful. And Jay walked off. And later on, there was another um conf- uh, confrontation between Paul Heyman and Jay. Heyman tried to schmooze Jay. Um, you know, who at first seemed to fall fall for Heyman's false flattery
0: mm-hmm.
1: until he told Heyman that if Jay, Jay, Jay told Heyman that if he, Jay, was in the bloodline, then Heyman wouldn't be. And Heyman's face dropped. And that led, of course, to the Austin Theory versus Jay US title match in the main events, which we were told that Reigns um he'd made this one happen. Jay was very much the baby face As far as the crowd was concerned He worked the match like the babyface There was a ref bump um, Jay had the match won after a top rope splash But there was no referee to count the fall Pretty Deadly then showed up to help Theory Jimmy then ran out um, to uh, ward off uh, Pretty Deadly Then Solo Sokoa turned up He attacked Jimmy uh, Then Jay stopped Solo from attacking Jimmy stopping uh, Solo from beating Jimmy down. But then Jimmy accidentally superkicked Jay and then Theory pinned Jay. So, I mean, it was quite a fast-moving story. I mean, there's bother all around. I mean, I thought it was very well well done, very well executed, because there was quite a lot of things that had to happen in rapid succession here. You know, this was quite a complicated finish. Mm-hmm. I think they pulled it off perfectly. And then afterwards, you know, Jay was really upset with Jimmy, shoved him. Um, Jay then left the ring. We didn't know whether or not he was going to fall in line then with Heyman and Solo. Instead, he walked off on his own. And we're told that we'll we'll find out next week what Jay's decision will be. Will he side with his twin brother, Jimmy, or will he fall in line and Join the bloodline. So I thought it was very well done. Yeah, I thought it was a good cliffhanger for next week. I think I know where this is going. I think people know what I know, know what I think. You know, I think it's going to be Jimmy and Jay versus Roman and Solo Secoa at Money in the Bank, and that's the match I want to see, and that's the that's the
0: direction I would like this storyline storyline to go in. And I, th- I think that will be uh, that will probably be. Uh... That that will more than more than likely be uh, set up this Friday on SmackDown. So I think so. Um we did get some more money in the bank qualifiers on the women's side. EOSky beat Shotzi and Bailey beat Michin, which are both fairly uh, obvious outcomes, but the right outcomes, I think, for the Money in the Bank match.
1: Yes. Um Eosky beat Shotzi with help from Bailey. I mean, few I mean Shotzi's so haphazard. That she should not be allowed anywhere near anything so complicated. Um, so there was the uh, Bailey versus Meachin and Baileywood Wood with the rose plant. Um, afterwards, Scarlett, uh, AJ Styles was on commentary for this match. And afterwards, Scarlett turned up and blew red dust into AJ Styles' face and then Carrion Cross attacked Styles from behind. Uh, later on um we were told that there would be a mixed tag team match between Styles and Meachin and uh, Cross and Scarlet. That hasn't been announced. has that been announced yet?
0: No, not yet. It hasn't
1: been announced yet.
0: Not yet. Not yeah. yet,
1: but we know that's coming.
0: Yeah, we do. Uh and then in the male side we had Santos Escobar qualified beating Mustafa Ali, and we had uh, Butch qualified by beating Baron Corbin, which um yeah, I think Escobar and Ali could have gone either way. Really? Um, but I definitely am glad that Butch beat Baron Corbin. Um, I guess Baron Corbin in the Money in the Bank match is not something we need to see.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds.
0: Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those
1: onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" Well, it isn't. I mean, I think Corbin's really good in this role at the moment. I mean, he's doing doing some stuff in NXT. Um, he's challenged Carmelo Hayes. Um, he's had some interaction with Ilya Dragunov. She, have they announced that um, Styles and Meachin versus Cross and Scarlett match? I thought they
0: had From Money in the Bank.
1: I don't think uh, they... No, I think for TV, I think they have announced it. I could be—I'm sure I saw a graphic for that match.
0: I will check while we're while we're chatting. I'll go in. Yeah, there. but
1: Baron Corbin and Butch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. This was Butch's match. He had to win here. I mean, it would have been a real vote of no confidence in Butch, wouldn't it? If he wasn't included in the Money in the Bank ladder match. In money in the bank from his own country, and Corbyn, who'd won money in the bank previously, was booked in the match instead. So Butch won the match handily. Um, and afterwards, um, you know, Butch actually scored the win after he was distracted by Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, who were in the crowd. And afterwards, there was a scuffle between Hayes and Williams and Corbyn at ringside. You know, later backstage, Corbyn was complaining about the loss, and then he was drilled by Cameron Grimes. So it seems like lots of people are upset with Baron Corbyn at the moment. But as I said, I think he's in this role. I think he's actually a very effective low card heel whose role is to put others over. And uh, he's not a threat to the main event anymore. He's not going to win any titles. To me, I think he's accepted that this is his role. And I think he's actually really good in it.
0: Uh, Well, you are correct, as this week on SmackDown it is the mixed tag with AJ and Misha against uh, Carrie and and Scarlett, as well as a tag team gauntlet to see who faces Kevin and Sammy with Pretty Deadly, uh, Sheamus and Ridge, the club, the Gallows, the OC, Street Profits, and the LWO. So, we'll see I thought as
1: much, because this will be... I believe this will be Scarlett's television debut in WWE in, in the ring, is her... Her wrestling debut for WWE on TV.
0: Yes, and I would like to thank WWE for not subjecting us to it in London instead. So, um, <laughs> keep it for keep it for TV. Um, so, but um, speak. You know, you actually, actually, of day-
1: Scarlett. You know, Scarlett has had quite a lot of matches, and she's. Oh, oh, oh am I imagining this? Has she had a TV match previously?
0: Uh, Maybe she up.
1: has. I don't know. If she.
0: I mean, if she if she did, she's had one. I mean, she's yeah. not a lot. Let me have a it's look here. ringing a
1: faint bell that she has had a match on TV before.
0: Uh, oh, she so she did team with Karrion and Cross once on SmackDown in January. It was Cross and Scarlet against Emma and Madcap Moss.
1: Yes. So I, I thought she had wrestled before. No wonder they didn't make a song and dance about it being her first TV match because it's not her first TV match. I mean, <laughs> she's been wrestling on and off for years. I mean, she's actually okay. In a you know well rehearsed and well laid out sort of mix match in which you won't be required to do that much, I think she'll be okay.
0: Um, but speaking, of, you know, you talk about debuts. Even though you know that's, I guess, it's not going to be our debut, but a return happened on SmackDown because Asuka came out and she was um, given the new WWE Women's Championship belt. I've got to say, Finn, I've got to give WWE credit; they actually did something that made sense and didn't feel last year, like the consolation thing of swapping the belts, they've now made it that there will be a WWE Women's Champion and a World Women's Champion instead of the Raw and SmackDown branded ones. So Asuka was given the WWE Women's Championship here, which basically looked pretty much identical to Roman's, but with white leather strap and the gold instead of black and gold. Um, and as Asuka is getting the belt, and she's very happy, we get the music of Charlotte Flair. She is returning, comes out and does one of her Usual awful babyface promos because she cannot be a babyface, um, <laughs> and she basically said because the whole thing was on this show, Bianca Belair, who I actually thought was pretty good, showing some fire that she wants to get her hands on Asuka, and Adam Pearce said, "Look, you know I've got to, got to make got to make tonight go okay. You got to let me give her the, the belt and do this, but if you let me do that, you will get your title shot." So Bianca's, you know, accepts that she's right. Okay, I'll hang back as long as I get my title shot. And then Charlotte comes out. Adam Pierce says, um, you need to uh, get, get in line. And Charlotte says, I don't wait in line because I made the line. Um, I, no one respects you, Asker, more than me, but I want that title and I'm challenging you for it. Then Asker accepted, which obviously made Adam Pierce angry because he promised Bianca. And then Asker tried to th- spray the mist at Charlotte, but uh, she ducked, hit a big boot. Asker goes re- re- to retreat. I mean, surely to Godfin, we are not going to see Charlotte come and ruin Asuka's title reign for a third time.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, well she, she will wrestle Asuka on SmackDown from London a week on Friday. Um, so that's a big match, and you've got to give WWE credit for wheeling out some big matches. Yeah, SmackDown from London the night before Money in the Bank. But it's hard for me to believe that Charlotte will defeat Asuka in this match. I just don't see that happening. I think there'll be a running finish. I think Bianca will be involved and it will just be a DQ or a count out. I can't imagine that they'll beat Charlotte in her first TV match back. So I think it'd just be a non-finish. I mean, I thought this was well done. I, I agree with you. I thought Bianca came across really well backstage. It was as if she was being natural rather than, you know, overacting. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, she was upset backstage that she'd lost the title. She wanted a rematch. And Adam Pierce said, well, yeah, I'll give you a rematch as long as you stay backstage because this title presentation ceremony needs to pass without a hitch. I don't want you coming out here, coming out, going to the ring and attacking Asuka. And she agreed to that. And instead, as you said, Charlotte Flair made a return First TV appearance since WrestleMania. Um, and then she immediately um, issued this challenge to Asuka, who accepted. Um, and Asuka tried to blow the Mr. Flair, who ducked. And then she nailed Asuka with a big boot. I thought the boot looked amazing. Asuka sold it really well. Then Asuka backpedaled out of the ring. And then Adam Pierce, who was all over Raw and all over SmackDown had a very busy week on TV, did Adam Pearce. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bianca backstage was furious with Pearce. You know, we had the deal, we had an agreement. How come Charlotte Flair can just sworn in and be granted a title match before me? So I think she had, you know, very reasonable grounds to be upset. And it just felt very natural and real from Bianca, which was a refreshing change from the way in which she'd behaved you know, when Asuka was blowing mist in her face or, you know, putting mist in her eyes via her fingers. So, someone's saying that Bianca's going to turn heel, which I think is the right move for her. And this will be the catalyst for it. I mean, she needs to do something different because that character she's been playing I just feels so play out. It just feels so played out, worn out, threadbare. She needs to do something different. I think if she does the turn, I think that'll give her a new lease of life.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's hard. As, I mean it, it was performed well by everyone but Charlotte. For me, I mean I just think you know she's back again. She's meant to be a baby face. She's really unlikable, and you know she. I, I'm I'm getting quite you know in the way that with MJF I'm getting quite tired of the the I'm getting quite tired of these short Charlotte runs where she comes in, dominates, leaves. It's like, it's almost like a Brock Lesnar run that she does, which is which is fine, but. I don't know. I think with Asuka, if I mean, it seems like Charlotte is going to take the belt from Asuka. That's the, That's the direction of travel here. And then it will be Charlotte and Bianca will be the program for like well, Summerslam. I, I mean,
1: I, I'm, I'm.
0: I tell you what, right?
1: Who do you think's going to win the women's Money in the Bank match? Uh,
0: let me get the cast of characters who is who are in it. I mean, I think be- Becky's got a good chance at winning it. I don't think so because. She's going
1: to be facing Trish Stratus at SummerSlam.
0: If, if, if not Becky Lynch then Io Sky.
1: E, I think it's going to be your Sky.
0: Can Zelina think... Vega win it. Definitely not Zoe Stark. And no, Bailey's won it before. She's you know cold as ice. So yeah, um, yeah. I think Eo's probably the the shout. It's you. It's between you and Becky based on who's in it right now. I think.
1: Yeah, I think Becky. Um, I think Trish will make an appearance. At Money in the Bank, and she will distract Becky and prevent Lynch from winning the briefcase, and mm-hmm. that will lead to the SummerSlam match. I think the women's money in the bank qualify- money in the bank match will come down to E.O. Sky and Bailey. And I think EOSky will win, and that'll lead to a split between Eoskai Sky and Bailey. EO will turn babyface, which I think there's huge appetite for. And then I think that'll lead to EOSky versus Asuka. That's my belief. And then maybe Charlotte will enter the picture after that and turn heel again, because so she obviously needs to. As you said, she's... I mean, she admitted herself, didn't she, in the Steve Austin interview, that she's a career heel. She doesn't do babyface. It just doesn't work. She projects this overwhelming arrogance that she's just not likable. So she has to turn at some point. Um, But I, I, I think Asuka's going to be all right, because also, Kenny... If Charlotte were to swan into London and beat Asuka, after Asuka's waited so long for this tower ray, people would be up in arms. there would be uproar, Kenny. It's not going to happen.
0: I mean, I think it's, it's happened a couple of times before, which is why my feed is there. I think one thing I would like to see Charlotte do is try and be an effective... Uh, if she's going to be a babyface, try and be an effective one. Because sometimes I feel that like she's a babyface, she's doing it reluctantly and she's kind of you know she doesn't really want to be that that role which is very strange because if you meet her in real life Charlotte is lovely she's very personable very likeable but when she becomes that character it's just very hard you know because the the baby face isn't really supposed to come in swan in and jump in the front of the line
1: no. that's not
0: really the baby face thing to do I think that's something that I struggle with with Charlotte is that she's not a very effective character because she's kind of all over the place. And um yeah, I, I hopefully though you're right and she's not gonna come back and just sort of take the bit off masker, which is uh but I mean may, maybe the way they get out of the smackdown thing on the Friday night is Bianca interferes and then we get a three-way at money in the bank. Which will yeah, be I can gone. see
1: that. Yeah, I could see that occurring, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I could I could sign up for that and that way Bianca receives a rematch. I would think Asuka would probably retain. Maybe Bianca then does the turn or makes moves towards that direction. Um
0: yep.
1: but yeah, yep. I just yeah, Charlotte, there's something about her, she's got this, you know, this overwhelming sort of she just exudes conceit. You know, she yes. just she just does. It's this natural thing she does. And you're right about it was not a babyface thing for her to just show up, to just rock up. And demand a title match. A baby face has to earn it. Yeah, I mean um, Charlotte's last match. What happened in Charlotte's last match? Kenny on TV.
0: Where was she lost Charlotte?
1: to Rhea Ripley, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, we so last we last saw it at WrestleMania, right? Yeah, that was the last time we seen her, and she so and then she's back. I mean, I, I, I she has a big star. I think she carries herself really well, but I just think you know because she she returned in December out of the blue and beat Rhonda for the belt. Yeah. And then she stuck through to WrestleMania. She's gone again. She's now back again for this run. Um where she's a baby face again. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. But um yeah definitely a big match on SmackDown a week on Friday in London. Or two weeks yes. Friday, whatever it is. um Let's move on to Raw We opened Raw with Rhea Ripley being presented the women's world title. So that's now the belt that she's got. She's pretty happy. And this led to Cody Rhodes coming out to do a promo with Rhea and Dominic. And Cody had challenged Dominic to a match at Money in the Bank. So we are getting it. That's a match we discussed last week. And um, yeah, this is very fun and a good stopgap for Cody before Brock inevitably returns to set up the SummerSlam match.
1: Yeah, good mid-card material. I thought this was a fun segment. Um, you know, yeah, Adam Pearce recognized Rhea Ripley as the brand new women's world champion. Presented her with a title belt that is the same design as Seth Rollins' belt. So uh, Rhea seemed very pleased about that, as were the crowd, until Dominic Mysterio came out to congratulate Rhea Ripley and the mood changed. Everyone booed. I'll tell you, give it another like six to nine months and Rhea Ripley is going to be a colossal baby face. So people respect her. They want to cheer her. I, I really like the fact that, you know, she's a heel at the moment. The Dominic Mysterio Association, I think it works really well for Dominic because he's not enormously confident out there by himself and it works really well that he's got, you know, a professional like Rhea Ripley by his side. So, uh, yeah, he came out and he started talking and was booed out of the building. And then Cody Rhodes joined them. Rhodes challenged Dom to a match. had to accept the match for Dominic. Um, And then uh, the Miz uh, Miz showed up and distracted Cody. And then Dominic, um, he drilled Cody from behind and then fled. And then that led to uh, the Miz versus Cody Rhodes, which I thought was a good little TV match, Kenny.
0: Yeah, just a, a, a decent little match. Cody gets the win. It's good for him to get a, get a couple of wins after the, the, the Brock stuff. But Finn, everyone is is on the edge of their seat because Becky Lynch did a promo and she was interrupted by Zoe Stark. Now, the last time that we spoke, you gave Zoe Stark a 2 out of 10 on the charismaometer. Where did she land this week with her promo with Becky?
1: Well, Becky Lynch gave Zoe a zero out of 10 (laughs) on the personality meter. Um, You know, Becky said to Zoe, the one thing you lack is a personality. Lynch, you know, just... I mean, she did actually put her over and say, yeah, she was really in great shape, you know, machine in the ring, you know, really good wrestler. So it wasn't a total MGF burial. She did put her over before she you know, nailed her with the uh, <laughs> kind of low blow at the end. Okay. And Stark then became quite agitated at the, you know, notion that she didn't have a personality and she spoke too quickly on the mic, Kenny. Someone, she just needs to work on those promos. She's difficult to understand at the best of times. And when she speaks too quickly, it's hard to comprehend what she is saying. So and also she was receiving the watch chants out there. It was a strange promo because Becky came out and she lost her weight on the promo. And so badly, in fact, that she had to acknowledge it. Did you notice
0: that, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, she did. I mean, the crowd here were not playing along or they were playing along too much sometimes people on this show. Finn Balor was obviously a victim of that later on as well. But uh, yeah, Becky, very rare to see Becky lose her weight. So
1: yeah, yeah I mean she you know she seemed really you know indifferent to the Trish feud at the beginning and then I was I felt like the night of champions uh, match revived the whole thing and she seemed far more animate animated and enthusiastic about the whole thing and it was like she'd regressed here and she was just kind of bored and couldn't really be bothered and when Zoe came out I mean yeah didn't really uh, go that well for Zoe I mean Zoe needs a killer match she or she needs a really strong performance at Money in the Bank and just a really good match, because she isn't going to get over based on a personality. Because as Becky said, she doesn't have one.
0: We're sticking at a two out of ten for Zoe on the, the resume.
1: Listen, I'm a fan of hers. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm. I really thought she did some really good stuff in NXT. I think she's really good in the ring, but she needs to speak infrequently and probably in pre-recorded segments. Yeah,
0: well, maybe we should, maybe we should have a good show in, in the Money in the Bank match with uh, in London. So, um, Speaking of Money in the Bank, we did see Damien Priest qualify for the men's match, beating Matt Riddle, and then afterwards we saw uh, Gunther and Imperium come out, and uh, Damien Priest told them, pick the bones, and they then uh, battered Riddle, gone to chopping him. Um, Damien Priest being in there, I guess, is a good way to... Uh, keep the tension going of him and Finn Balor.
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, that was something that was progressed um, quite far, really, on this programme with Damian Priest. I know they see a lot in Priest and they think he's going to be a top guy. I don't think he can be a top guy. I think the position he's in, which is kind of upper mid card, that's a really good spot for him. I don't think he can go any further than that. I was surprised that priest defeated riddle here without assistance from gunter and ludwig kaiser i figured they would come out after the you know battle backstage last week between riddle and kaiser and giovanni vinci so we knew there was going to be some um, furtherance of that um interaction there but i figured yeah that that gunter would cause a distraction or interfere and riddle would you know lose on a you know it would be a tainted loss for riddle and instead it was it was actually fairly clean wasn't it priest scored the win with a uh, razor's edge um off the ropes and well actually riddle was on the ropes and priest grabbed him smashed him with the splash mountain razor's edge so it was a remarkably clean win for damian priest that's what i took away from this kenny
0: yeah, I know. I do wonder if we're, if we're going to get Gunther and Riddle at Money in the Bank now, which, yes. I mean, yeah. I think anyway. we
1: will. I think we will, because we've got a match later on between Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and then Riddle came out. Um, You know, this was after Gunther and uh, and Kaiser had beaten down Riddle after Riddle had lost to Priest. So, yeah, Riddle came out at the end of the show and there was, a, you know, another scrap between Gunther and Riddle. So, yeah, I think that's... I don't know whether we're going to get the match at... Money in the Bank, because it seems pretty loaded as it is, doesn't it? I mean, there's already yeah. a lot of matches announced, and we know that the Money in the Bank matches usually last tw- like close to 20 minutes, or even 20 minutes plus. So with the entrances, each one of them is like basically half an hour t- of uh, premium live event time. So I'm not sure if there's going to be room on the show for Riddle versus
0: Gunter. What well, you- at the moment, we've only got four confirmed matches, which is Seth and Balor, Cody and Dom, the two Money in the Bank's. So we know we're going to add Asuka and Charlotte. We know we're going to add the tag title match. We know we're going to add the Roman match. Yeah. So that takes us up to seven. So I yeah. guess it will be an eighth match if they want to do it. But um, I, I I think it'll it'll either just make it or or it'll be on TV afterwards. So
1: yes, um, I think they'll want to allocate a good fifteen minutes to Riddle Gunter because they wrestled many times before. They wrestled in NXT. They wrestled before they joined. Uh, entered the WWE system, so I think these those two could have a you know a killer match, and um and I think Riddle needs a strong performance right now because he's he seems to be fading fast. You know he, he needs a, a big performance against Gunter. I think so that needs to be a lengthy match in order for him to perform he needs to reverse his shoes, even though he's obviously not going to win. But if you can have the you know, match with Gunter, it will still be a career enhancer for him.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so uh, Matt Riddle helped uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn retain the tag titles against Gunter and Ludwig Kaiser. The last thing I wanted to ask you about was the Seth Rollins Finn Balor promo, which led to the challenge for Money in the Bank. So it's Rollins and Balor for the world title of Money in the Bank. How did they do here with the promo in terms of setting it up as a big match for the show?
1: Yeah, I mean, Finn Balor, I mean, called out Seth Rollins, who complied. You know, the fans were humming and chanting his song and continued to do so. Um, Balor at first was saying, yeah, you can do that all day. And then when he realised that they were just con- going to continue doing it all day and all night, uh, he had to sort of interject and basically say, listen, we've got an angle to to shoot here. We've got lines to say. And Rollins eventually you know, even though he was milking it at first, even he realised, hold on a minute, we've got to stop this so that we can say what we need to say to set up this world title match at Money in the Bank. Um, So yeah, Rollins, you know, agreed to defend the belt against Balor at Money in the Bank. Um, He mentioned that, you know, he improved, Rollins was the best version of himself now, whereas, on the other hand, uh, Balor had become this, you know, bitter... Loser, who you know had not gotten over the fact that he'd suffer the injury in in their title match back in 2016, and was still carrying around all the emotional baggage regarding that. And Rollins said that you know maybe Balor, if he brought the old version of himself to Money in the Bank, he might have a shot of defeating Rollins. You know, but this current version didn't because he was so wrapped up in bitterness, you know that he wasn't you know, firing on all cylinders and going full throttle. So I thought it was quite an interesting way of approaching this, you know, with Rollins as the baby face, saying that Balor, you know, is basically defeating himself at the moment with the way that he's behaving and by not, you know, getting his mind on the job and just allowing previous events to cloud his, you know, strategy or his judgment or his performance or his training or whatever. So I thought it was an interesting way to approach it, really. What did you think, Kenny?
0: Yeah, so I thought it was decent enough. I felt bad for Balor because, obviously, the crowd just really hijacked the song. But I don't think Balor was cutting a great promo. I mean, it was fine. But, you know, I I think it was just a bit of bad luck that the night that he has to do this promo... And like you said, he kind of egged the fans on. It kind of backfired on him. Because, yeah. It was, you know, like... I mean, it's like if I was a wrestler, I feel like I would... Unless I knew I had like a killer, killer promo, if they were whotting me, I wouldn't egg them on
1: to keep doing that. I mean, it must be very distracting when you're out there trying to remember your lines that you've spent hours memorizing. And I mean, I know some top stars are allowed to ad lib and, you know, add sections on, but most people are just given scripts and say, you know, memorize that. This is what you have to say. And I think that must be very difficult out there when you've got an audience that's deliberately trying to throw you off your game. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting because, you know, Balor's there and, you know, he, is he going to start doubting himself? And that's the mind game, isn't it, that Seth Rollins is playing here?
0: Yeah, because he's, he's saying, you know, the current Finn Balor has no chance against me, but the Finn Balor who beat me in Brooklyn with his arm hanging off, that guy's got a shot. So, I mean, the was pretty good. I think on the night they will deliver... Um and we'll see what Finn Balor shows up, like what what way he you know, I think Balor, it would be good if Balor had some for sort of promo. I think maybe a pre tip would be better, but have him do something where he can sort of sell us on the fact that he's a real threat to the belt would be good. But uh, you know, we've yeah. still got a couple weeks to do that.
1: Yeah, well we've got another Raw next week, haven't we? Well actually we've got two more rows, haven't two we? Two more. The show. Yeah, two more rows. And like backstage afterwards, Balor was speaking to JD McDonough. And Damien priest turned up, you know and told Bala that you know he was all over the place emotionally, so that was extended here that was furthered here between priest and Bala, and there's like friction developing there, and priest said to Bala, you know you need to end this with Rollins because you know you're not thinking straight, you know you're you know he's got your number, you know he's pulling your strings here." And you're not really in control anymore. He is. So I thought that was an interesting, you know, uh, layer to this feud. And yeah, we've still got two more episodes of Raw before the premium live event in London. And I think Bala, I think I think it was important here, Kenny, that Balor showed vulnerability as a heel. And mm-hmm. he did do that. And I think he'll come back next week on Raw with more confidence. And I think the week after that will get the beat down angle, and he'll really give Rollins a pasting to get that psychological edge over him in the storyline going into Money in the Bank. So that's how I see this feud and this storyline developing.
0: Well, listen, that is all the time we've got for today. We'll be back on Thursday with more, as always. But, uh, Finn, fin, if you're finishing off work on the the next issue of the magazine right now, yeah, all systems go on that. So, yes. Uh, People can head to insidetherocksmagazine to check out more.
1: Yes, the cover has been released with Seth Rollins on the front.
0: Hmm. Looking, looking very, very, very snazzy.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's a really good cover photo. Really, really lip off the shelf, and hopefully that will, you know, result in literally, well, not literally, leaping off the shelves into a. Uh, into buyers and readers' (laughs) hands. They'll have to pick them up. Uh, But I mean, I hope that it will encourage more people to give the magazine a chance. If they don't do so, if they buy it already. Uh, So yeah, hopefully people will check out next issue. I just want to mention also, I thought the main event roll this week, Kenny, between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and Gunter and Ludwig Kaiser. I thought that was alive towards the end. Really hot main event. And I'm curious as well to see what Logan Paul does, Kenny.
0: Yes, he's going to be on next Monday's RAW, and I feel I feel like he is going to be a seventh participant in the men's Money in the Bank match. I think that's what we'll be getting. Uh, which you know, I think that'll add some good drama to have him in the Money in the Bank match because people will be really annoyed at the idea of him winning it. So it's good drama to give people.
1: Oh, definitely, it means they can you know revisit the Paul Seth Rollins rivalry at least backstage. You know, not probably not physically because I can't imagine Paul would. He's actually going to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. But the very threat of it will be a heat generator. And can I just say, Kenny, that I pointed out some months ago in the magazine that this would happen and suggested this very storyline. Once again, WWE, you know, I'll expect the check in the post. <laughs> Come on, WWE. It's about time you start paying me royalties for these good
0: ideas. There you go. Another F. Martin idea implemented Classic WB. Well, uh, Listen, yeah, we're, we'll, look, we'll look forward to being back next week on what's going on and see what Logan Paul's going to be getting up to. I think we know he's going to be at Money in the Bank in the ladder match, but um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I want to thank you for all your support, everybody. Thanks for all your pledges on Patreon, buying the magazine. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. The